Welcome to 24 Hour Expert, where we challenge each other to see what we can learn on random topics in just a day. I'm Allie. And I'm Amy. Let's see what we've learned. All right, AIM. I have a, what I think is a fun one. I mean, I think all most of mine are fun, but. I think most of yours are I fun also. I feel like this also. is an Allie topic. Is there a murder in it? Um, no, not specifically. The fact that we paused makes well, me nervous already. I'm trying already, to think, because I'm going to bring you kind of a collection of stories, but I don't think there's one that I'm going to highlight a specific tragedy like that. No. Okay. I need you to know that when you said I'm going to bring you a collection of stories, the very first thing that came in my mind is that Stinky Cheese Man book. Oh, that's such a good book. Someone should do an episode on that. Listener I mean, suggestion you- or host suggestion. I don't know. How are you going to do a topic on that, though? Read them the book? It, is that something you want? Listeners, please respond and let us know if you want us to read you the Sticky Cheese Man book. Also, I don't think we can do that. It's copyrighted. I was going to say, we probably can't. And we have to start a whole new podcast called Allie and Amy Storytime, where we just read books to people. Oh, like the Mother Goose did. Yeah. Okay, but this week... We're not talking about the Stinky Cheese Man. We are talking about ghost towns. Ghost towns. I can get behind this a little bit. So I wanted this to be creepier and spookier than it actually is. But it's still very interesting. It's only medium spooky. Just medium. I mean, medium light at best, I would say. Oh, my kind of spooky. Baby <laughs> Halloween, as some it's might call it. baby Halloween. <laughs> For any of you who don't know... Allie decorates for Halloween like it's her job. And it is scary, gory, creepy Halloween. And I decorate for Halloween like it's a holiday that one celebrates for one day in October. But I decorate with fun, lighthearted Halloween decor. And Allison calls it baby Halloween because (laughs) she does not believe that my decor qualifies as real Halloween decor. It's just so it's very cutesy. <laughs> it's for babies. It's not for babies. None of it's for babies. Actually, many of the things probably should not be around babies. It's just not your style of Halloween. It's not. No, I want spooky. For real spooky, scary Halloween decorations. But for any of you who also decorate with baby Halloween, I'm just telling you Allie's perspective on this. Yeah, I at least want it to look like an abandoned haunted Victorian mansion, minimally. I mean, it doesn't have to have, like, killer clowns coming out of the walls, but I don't want, like, smiling pumpkins with big eyes and cutesy rosy cheeks. That's for babies. (laughs) (laughs) Just start ghost town. Ghost towns. So, a ghost town. (laughs) Great segue. Thank you. (laughs) It's an abandoned village, town, or city that usually contains substantial visible remaining buildings and infrastructure such as roads. Ghost towns are created because the economic activity that supported it has failed or ended, or there has been some sort of natural or man-made disaster. Hmm. For example, when a single activity or resource, like some sort of mine, like we'll say a gold mine, creates what is called a boom town, So everybody flocks there to mine the gold. There's a lot of growth, and this is typically in a remote area. So this is not going to be an area that's surrounded by other 
cities. Right. But when the resource is gone, so the mine dries up, people move away. And now we have a ghost town. Got it. This can also happen in towns where most of the jobs are focused around a single company, like a mill or a factory. And Mm. if that mill or factory goes under or moves, it can also create a ghost town. And it can't be supported because there's no buffering communities. Right. They're kind of remote. And not all of them are remote, and we'll get into some of those kind of outliers. But typically, these are in more remote locations or a location that's maybe not as desirable as the surrounding location. So people kind of move out of it into the surrounding areas. Sure. Natural disasters can also cause people to leave an area, either something like a prolonged drought in what was typically a farming community. Or I read an example of one, a community that was near a volcano. The volcano erupted, covering the town in ash, so it was no longer inhabitable. So now it's a ghost town. Or like Chernobyl. Actually, yeah, I will touch on that. So that would be an example of a man-made disaster. Right. Uh, Yes, that's fair. There could also be multiple factors. For example, in a lot of U.S. mining towns that were along Route 66, those towns suffered both mine closures, but then the loss of the highway traffic when the highway was rerouted in a more direct route. So kind of a double whammy for those towns. They lost the big industry, and then they lost traffic. So... It was harder for those. Like in cars. Literal traffic, yeah. No, like in the movie cars. Exactly. Exactly that. We're just learning all day. In some cases, ghost towns are the result of government interference. So there was a case that NASA needed land to construct the John C. Stennis Space Center in Hancock County, Mississippi. They relocated 700 families from Gainesville, Logtown, Napoleon, Santa Rosa, and Estonia to different locations because they needed that land for the Space Center. Wow, that seems like a lot of effort. Right. So in this case, some of the homes and things are still kind of around on the land that they're not using. They just need it for like the buffer zone. Obviously, they clear out the space they need to build their buildings and rockets and whatever they're doing there. Another example of this government interference ghost towns is the former town of Weston, Illinois, that voted itself out of existence and turned the land over for construction of the Fermi National Accelerator Laboratory. So the government wanted to put up this accelerator laboratory and the town voted that, yeah, you can have the land. And again, this is a case where many of the houses, some barns remain, and actually the facility uses them for storage and housing for the scientists and equipment. Wow. So obviously the roads are blocked off, so you can't just access this site, but it's essentially a government-made ghost town. That's crazy. You just think ghost towns are like, Right, disaster or the industry went under, but to think that a whole town was like, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, here you go. No. Yeah, I mean, I hope they were compensated for it. I th- what I read specifically didn't say that or not, but hmm. other times, another example of government interference creating a ghost town. The government will create a structure like the Norris Dam that left 
lost in Tennessee underwater and had to be re- and had to be reconstructed on higher ground. So they put up a dam, which rerouted the water, which flooded the original town, and they had to relocate. See, now these just open so many questions. Like, when the town voted themselves out of existence, were they already packed and they were like, okay, on October 3rd, here's the keys. And then for the flooding town, clearly the community knew. It wasn't like they were all just sitting at home one day and the dam turned on, closed, whatever. However dams come to be, obviously they're built over time. But, like, you've made a choice to now have to move a town I'm just, there's right. so many factors. And in the one example, the town voted and agreed to let this happen. In the other examples, I believe the government kind of stepped in and said, this is happening. I mean, I would hope that they were at least paid for relocation. But. Right. Yeah. And, and I could dig a little deeper, you know, for the next, what are we at next, 125th hour? And mm-hmm. see if I can get some more of those details. But I just thought that that was interesting that government or the government created some of these ghost towns we have. Yeah. Fascinating. So there have been several wars and man-made disasters that have created ghost towns like I touched on. For example, some towns in eastern Arkansas were abandoned after more than 7,000 people died during the Spanish flu epidemic of 1918 and 1919. There have also been towns that had to be abandoned because of industrial contamination or pollutants. Amy, like you mentioned, big famous one. Chernobyl. There's also one in the Mm -hmm. U.S., Times Beach, Missouri, where the residents were exposed to high levels of dioxins and the town had to be abandoned. Now, this specific town in Missouri and Chernobyl are very, very interesting cases of industrial ghost towns. And Amy and I have been floating around the idea of at some point, maybe on Patreon or something, having some episodes that we'd release just to people who wanted to subscribe that I'm going to call 24-Hour Expert After Dark. So maybe some Mm -hmm. topics that aren't quite so family-friendly. I don't want to say would be controversial because I I don't think we'd do anything that's super controversial. But like Chernobyl or this town, I would love to go into more details. And they honestly each could be their own episode Amy and I also recorded a topic a couple weeks ago that we decided not to release on this platform. So if that is something that you might be interested in that we do, we would love to hear about it because I would definitely put these two cases on that list. Yeah, just because you're unpacking some heavy stuff and we wanted to be able to make sure we could share the details without constantly having to censor to make sure that all listeners could enjoy exactly. the content. Exactly. So this would be an 18 and up kind of a thing. And not that every topic we would do in 24-Hour Expert After Dark would be serious or depressing or anything. It'd just be stuff that's not family-friendly. Or we would chatter occasionally that maybe wasn't as formulated, or we'd do little snippets of material that didn't have full content or full episode potential, but we want to talk on. I also think we should clarify that, like, just because Allie said 18 and older, like, it's not explicit content. It's just maybe not for young right. years. Yeah, exactly. But it could be explicit. I don't know. We don't know. We're thinking on that idea. We've also contemplated doing some mini-sodes just on topics that might not be a full episode's worth, kind of like Amy mentioned. 
But I think that could fit in both categories. And we could do some normal ones and then some after dark ones too. But Just a few things we've yeah, been kicking, kicking around. around. Would love to hear some feedback on it. But all right, let's get back to ghost towns. And let's get into the fun part. Let's talk about some actual ghost towns. Yeah. So I have to start in our home state of Michigan. Lafayette. I'm sorry, Amy, our home state is Michigan? Yeah, but isn't the the ghost town Lafayette? Apparently there's a ton of ghost towns in Michigan. Yes, but really? that's not the one I'm going to talk about. I'm going to talk oh, about okay. Singapore, Michigan. Literally never heard of it. So thank you to WWWJ News Radio 950 for a great article on Singapore, Michigan. So Singapore, which was just north of Saugatuck, was meant to rival cities like Chicago and Milwaukee as a great lake port city. The mid-19th century was America's wooden age, and virtually everything was built from wood. In 1870, Singapore was a bustling lumber town. The city had several wood mills and was known for shipbuilding, cutting building materials, construction timbers, wooden shingles, and more wooden products. When the Great Fire destroyed Chicago, Milwaukee, Holland, and several other places, Singapore got down to business, and that's a quote from the article, and shipped lumber to rebuild the cities. Wow. Unfortunately, by 1875, Singapore had run out of timber. It's likely that the great demand for wood after the fires exhausted the commercially viable timber... And because the area was almost completely deforested, the main mill at Singapore was dismantled and shipped off to a larger mill complex. So they literally broke the building down, sent it somewhere else so they could put it up to work on wood in another area. Right. Because there was no more mill and no more lumber, that meant there was no more jobs. So many people moved into neighboring Saugatuck and Douglas. Wow. So this is one of those cases where there was... Better cities surrounding, so there's no point in staying in that particular city. Right. With Singapore all but deserted, the area's beautiful sand dunes had far less protection from the elements, and, you know, a lot of the vegetation was gone. Right. So Mother Nature did her thing, and she buried the town in sand. Wow. So fun fact, and this is from, again, from the article... Hypothetically, if you were to take a giant shop vac and suck up all the sand on the North Shore, it would it would reveal the remnants of a once bustling port town. Sand drains very well, so it's likely that the buildings are well preserved. Wow, that's kind of cool. So over the years, shifting sands and changing water levels and, you know, climate change have started to reveal parts of buildings and artifacts. There's been no extensive or real archaeology digs there. So there's no telling what exactly was left behind, but I guess you can see some of the buildings now. It's very interesting. I've heard of other ghost towns in Michigan. I know there's the one, I think it's in the Upper Peninsula, is Lafayette, if that's the name, which now I've said it three times, so let's hope I'm at least close. Um, That's well-preserved, and you can, like, wander around it. I've never heard of Singapore. Yeah, so Singapore is not one. So, actually, I was talking to Dad and he was saying that he was on some tour in Saugatuck, and it kind of went near where this was, and you could see some of the remnants of the town, well, what you can see of it. So I think if you're in Saugatuck or any of the surrounding cities, you can see some of Singapore. But the next few, we'll see how many we get through before 
the episode starts getting too long. I just put a bunch in here. Are ones you can actually visit. Many of them are now tourist locations. Very cool. But Michigan does have a ton of ghost towns. All right, so our next ghost town is Garnet, Montana, which I picked because Garnet is my birthstone. Ta-da! January babies, what? Garnet was named for the semi-precious ruby-colored stone found in the area. The surrounding mountains were rich in gold-bearing quartz, so there was quartz that had veins of gold through it. In the 1800s, miners migrated north from the played-out placer mines in California and Colorado. The Garnet Mountains attracted miners who collected gold first by panning, then by using rockers and sluice boxes as the free... And don't ask me to describe what those are. I should have looked them up. I did not 125th hour that. However, the free-floating gold started to diminish... And although there was gold in the quartz, the lack of decent roads and refining, extracting, and smelting techniques made further development unfeasible at the time. So they just didn't have the technology to get it out of the quartz. Sure. Silver mines elsewhere in the country started to draw the miners out of the Garnet Mountains. But in 1893, the repeal of the Sherman Silver Purchase Act set off a panic in the region. So basically, something happened with this. Again, I should have looked up specifically what this was. But silver at one point became worthless. And so everybody panicked and then wanted other metals. Right. So because of this Sherman Silver Purchase Act, lots of silver mines closed. And and within weeks... Thousands of unemployed miners were back mining gold in the Garnet Mountains and in Garnet. So the boom really started in 1897 for Garnet. Um, A man named Mitchell erected a mill. And then another man named Sam Richley hit a huge vein of ore in his mine. So this really created the boom And by January 1898, nearly a 1,000 people resided in Garnet. Wow. There was stores, hotels, livery stables, barber shops, a union hall, a school, a butcher shop, a candy shop, a doctor's office, 13 saloons. We needed 13. Yeah. Eager miners and entrepreneurs built quickly and without planning. So the community was kind of haphazard and not well organized. After 1900, many of the mine owners leased their mines out. The gold was becoming scarcer and harder to mine. Although, I guess the Nancy Hanks mine yielded about 300,000 worth of gold. Wow. Which is estimated to be about 950,000. In today's money? I would assume. Thank you for not making me guess that. But... By 1917, many of the mines were abandoned, and the town's population had shrunk from 1,000 to 150. Oof. A fire in the town's business district destroyed many of the commercial buildings. Most of the remaining residents moved away to defense-related jobs. And by the 1940s, Garnet was a ghost town. Wow. However... In 1934, President Roosevelt raised gold prices from $16 to $32 an ounce, and Garnet was once again revived. Wow, Garnet's really had several lives. I know. 
A new wave of miners moved into the abandoned cabins and began reworking the mines. Then World War II drew the population away again, and the use of dynamite for domestic purposes was curtailed, making mining difficult. And again, Garnet became a ghost town. Wow, poor Garnet. It tried so hard. Many ups and downs. Okay, let's talk about a few more, and these are shorter ones, and they're just fun. And there's a ton of great resources. If you're someone who's interested in touring ghost towns, lots of great articles on ones that you can visit. Cool. Okay, so this one's just kind of interesting because of how it became a ghost town. So Centralia, Pennsylvania, if I'm saying that correctly. In 1962, a fire accidentally spread to the town's underground mines and created sinkholes that spewed smoke and toxic fumes across the community. In 1983, most of the town was evacuated, and in 1992, its real estate was claimed under eminent domain and condemned by the state. Wow. Which, Amy, this kind of ties back into one of your episodes, Delivering the final blow, the zip code was officially recalled. Wow, means it doesn't exist anymore. Fire is still burning today and expected to burn for another 250 years. Dang. So this is another example of man-made disaster. Yeah. Which kind of combined or snowballed into a natural disaster with all the underground sinkholes and toxic fumes. That's crazy. So just an interesting one. And it's interesting because I'm not going to have time to go through all the ones on my list, but several of these ghost towns are now part of national parks, which is kind of cool. Interesting. Which kind of tells you also how remote the location was, right? Yeah, because if we're just going to put a park around it. But it gives some interest then to the park. It's a win-win for the park. Exactly. Oh, this one's fun just because... um, it was featured in the Travel Channel's Ghost Adventures. Ooh. So Bannock State Park is a natural historic landmark and the site of Montana's first major gold discovery on July 28, 1862. This set off a massive gold rush that swelled Bannock's population to over 3,000 by 1863. The gold rush era city was known in its time for being a little rough, Lots of holdups, robberies, murders, all well documented. So, Amy, there's your murders. Wow. And the sheriff of Bannock was a rumored outlaw. As the value of gold steadily dwindled, Bannock's bustling population was slowly lost. However, you can still visit over 50 buildings that line Main Street and see their historic log frame structures. Wow, that's kind of cool. Okay, so let's two more and then we'll wrap it up. They're both short ones. So Bodie, California was once a booming mining town of 10,000 gold miners in the late 1800s. This town boasts one of the most well-preserved towns and includes 200 buildings. It's now a California State Historic Park, and there is a rumor that Bodie is protected by a curse. And if you steal something from the town, you will have bad luck until you return it. Wow. And also has a museum and ghost tours. So you can take ghost tours through the town. I like how you, you led to... with the curse and then said, but also gift shop. Uh, I mean, I'm sure there's a gift shop too. Not my kind of fun. Ghost tours. But I how support fun it. Would that be to do a ghost tour yeah. through an abandoned town? Fun for some of us. All right. One more. 
Kennecott, Alaska, and I hope I'm saying that right. This town is perched on a hillside and was once a booming copper mine. I don't know if you get the theme here. A lot of these are mining towns. <laughs> a lot of mines, a lot of mines. Although Bodie had 10,000, that's the highest number we've heard so far in terms of residents. That's a lot yes, of people leaving. So in 1900, Kennecott Copper Corporation struck ore. They brought 300 miners to the town and at one time produced $200 million worth of copper between 1911 and 1938. When the copper ran wow. out, everyone left, in theory, the article said. And I had to leave that in because I love it. Preservation of the site is ongoing, but when the workers are there, some have claimed to hear eerie voices of miners echo from the mountains or see Ooh. tools fly around, sometimes from their own utility belts. And this activity actually can slow construction to a halt at times. Wow. The old railroad that at one time serviced Kennecott Copper Mines is also believed to be haunted. There have been reports of ghost miners' families wandering the town and ghostly activity in the mines themselves. Crazy. All right. Well, that's why I'm going to leave you with ghost towns. Do with that what you will. Of course you left it on the actual creepy one. Obviously. Obviously. I didn't put it last for no reason. Well, I think that was a lot of fun. Thanks for letting us talk at you. If you have any comments, corrections, suggestions, or ghost towns that are cool, you can email us at 24hourexpert at gmail.com. Spell out all the words. It's also our Instagram, Facebook, and website. You can find us there. Talk to you next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to 24 Hour Expert. Our theme song is Lo-Fi World by Ricky Bambino. If you like this episode, please share it with a friend. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe so you're notified of future episodes. 